Father God, I thank you for today and for this opportunity that we have to be together, God. And I just thank you, Father, that you're sovereign over all things, God. And I thank you that you have a purpose and a plan um, for everything, Lord. And Father, I just pray as we um, just come together again, Lord, that you would uh, just help us focus and fix our eyes upon you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, my God, and thank you for that truth, Father. Thank you for your love, Lord. Where would we be today, God, without your love? Father, your word says to give thanks to you for your love endures forever. Thank you, Father, that we who are Christians are secure in Christ. We thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. And, Father, your word says that we are called to a life not to grieve the Holy Spirit, but to walk and step with the Spirit of God, that we may not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
So, Father, I pray for us today, God, as we open your word, Father, that we would be strengthened. Father, to do your will, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father. The harvest fields are ripe, but the laborers are few. And I pray, God, that we would be among the few. Effective laborers, Lord. Advancing your kingdom, God. Not withdrawing, not retreating, but persevering, pressing in, Father. And we thank you for that calling, Father. We thank you that you have entrusted us, Lord. To go bear your image, to proclaim your gospel, so that the captives would be set free. That your people, Father, would be set free to worship you. So we thank you for this opportunity to gather. We pray for those who are not with us today, that you would keep them, Father. And for those who are sick among us, Lord, that you would heal them. And for those who are still enslaved to sin and in bondage, God, that you would deliver them. And we praise you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Psalm 34, verse 14. Turn from evil, do good, seek for peace, work hard to maintain it. We have a few more weeks and then we move on to a new verse. But I'm really praying that through this year, we have heard this verse over and over and over. And I pray that we just haven't been hearers of the word, but that we're truly applying the scripture to our life. Especially in the day and age in which we're living. That we would be people of God, turning from evil, doing good, seeking for peace, and working hard to maintain it. And as we've talked about, and as we hear... The days are growing darker, and they're only going to get darker. Jesus himself has warned us. But we're not to to pull back, we're not to be overwhelmed, we're not to be anxious over it. But we ought to be a praying people. A people seeking God. For his power to accomplish his purpose and his will in our generation. While there's still breath in our bodies. That we would do the will of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to pick back up next week, starting in um, our walk through the Bible, finishing, I mean, working through um, that series, and we're heading into the book of Leviticus. And then we're going to be um, in Mark, and then we'll pick back up in Psalm and Proverbs. But today we're going to talk about living the life and proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the truth. We have to live the life in order to truly proclaim it. We have to be able to truly understand the fullness of who Christ Jesus is and what he's called us to. We just can't be people who just talk about it but don't live it. We can't talk about Jesus if we don't have Jesus. We can talk about him, but we will talk about ones that really aren't in intimate fellowship with him. When you truly know someone, 
you know them. And when you talk about them, it is, it is reflected in your speech and in your countenance and in your body language of the intimate understanding and, and, and embracing that you have of this individual as you speak on them. It's as if people are getting to know them as you're sharing about them. But if you vaguely know someone, no one may not even be interested in listening to about that person. Oh, but we as Christians have been given the right. We have been engrafted into his kingdom. We are now part of his family. We are in Christ, for that is our position, and we are to bear his image. And as we've seen over this past week, with all these different um, controversies, all these different things going on and being said about Christians, about Jesus... I mean, have you heard the latest from the professor at this university? He's claiming that God raped Mary. And it's just huge thing over this past few days. I mean, people are attacking. Candy canes are now being attacked. Because they, they are shaped as a J. Which may remind people of Jesus. <laughs> like the world is getting crazier and crazier, and the Christian faith is getting more and more under attack. And then we've seen the, the Christian singer this week, or throughout last week, because of her interview last weekend, who would not take a stand on homosexuality. She watered down the gospel. She didn't stand for truth. And then the interviewer who interviewed her his response was that he is a Christian and that the Bible really doesn't say anything about homosexuality. Well, then he goes and he says, well, yes, Moses did, but we know that Moses was a flawed man. And Paul even said, talked about it, but Paul was a flawed man. But I see nowhere where Jesus talked about it. And that was his response. That Jesus never mentioned it, so it's not an issue. And I say, God help us. God help us. Do we realize that people are hearing from people who are saying that they're Christians, <laughs> leading them straight to hell with Jesus on their lips? Because no one, they're not bold enough to stand for truth. And I know other Christians will say, well, take it easy on them, extend some grace, <laughs> express to them your concerns, but, but, but don't hold them accountable or don't judge them. But we are to judge those who are a part of the family. If they're not upholding truth, we are to hold them accountable. We are to express a sense of, of, of urgency and, and call them back to repentance. Because they're making a mockery of the faith. They're stripping Jesus down, making him nothing. They're, they're stopping his blood, making it common. And I have news for that interviewer. Jesus spoke clearly about sin. You must be born again of the Spirit. 
You must consider the cost and following him. You must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. And I would also encourage that interviewer that the Holy Scriptures are spirit-inspired. Moses may have written it. Paul may have preached and wrote his letters, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing in the Word of God that is of man's opinion. Yes, God used flawed men and women to announce His purpose. We must be careful in who we are listening to and who we are following. And that's why it's vital, you all. That's why it's vital that you are living the life and you are proclaiming the truth. That you are being a voice in the wilderness. As we picked up a few weeks ago when we opened up the, the book of Mark. With John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness crying out. Calling people to repentance. To turn from their evil ways. And to turn to God. To turn from the evil ways and turn to God. To turn from evil, do good, seek for peace, and work hard to maintain it. And I posted on Facebook, and I really want to encourage you to take, I think it's like an hour and a half, it may not even be that long, of, of a testimony of this guy who was a vicious gang leader down in Dade County. His testimony it's powerful. His zeal and his boldness for Christ is amazing. Man could not have done that for him. God saved him and has raised him up. And listen to his quote. He says, no matter what the situation you're going through, no matter how hard you think life is, there's a way out. Because there's a lot of people that didn't wake up today, that are dying right now, and you have a chance to come out of darkness right now and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is Rene Level Martinez. Did you hear that? And that's the hope that we have to share with people. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you are now. Like there is hope only in Jesus. That you can turn from your sin and turn to Jesus and he will forgive he will heal you. He will deliver you. Like, again, we're not striving to be perfect in our own strength. But we are to seek Him with all of our hearts. Because the Bible says if we seek Him with our whole heart, we will find Him. Like, when we are born again of the Spirit... <laughs> We're not living to gratify the desires of the flesh any longer. It doesn't mean that you won't sin, but when you sin, sin will not remain your master. You grieve. And if you're not grieving over sin in your life, something's wrong. <laughs> Something is terribly wrong. If you're not grieving over sin in your life, you ought to get on your face and cry out, Oh God, <laughs> help me. <laughs> I don't want sin to be my master any longer. Forgive me. Like we, we can't make mistakes. Do you know how destructive sin is? 
And that's why we can't play with it. No, we can't play with it. We have to pull our part, or we have to pull away from it. Turn from evil. Do good. Again, not in your own strength. Your power, the empowerment to turn from evil and to do good is all found in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Like, ask Him for help. Be held accountable. Be transparent. First before God and then before man. Get up from your sin and walk in righteousness. Walk in right standing with God. All because of Jesus. Not because of you. Tell others of who you were. This guy was was evil. As were all of us. Before Christ. But what this man endured, who he was, like I was just like, oh God, only Jesus. And now, when you see him, and when you're watching this, and you see him baptizing former gang members, when he's out in the hoods, he's traveling to the hardest places ever, and God is using him in an incredible way. But could you imagine if he didn't live the life? Could you imagine if he was watering down the gospel? These people's lives wouldn't be impacted. (coughs) Their lives are being impacted because his life was impacted. And that's what people ought to be seeing in your life, in my life. Like there's a change, there's a transformation. Like there's something different about you. Like, have you heard Jesus tell you, go sin no more? Because that's what he tells people. Especially when you have an encounter with Jesus. Like, go sin no more. Like, either he's God, you all, or he's not. But I choose to believe that he is because I know what he's done in my life. I hate sin. Oh, God, and the more and more that I'm aging and the more and more that I'm recognizing, like, God, I don't know how many more years I have left on this earth, but, oh, God, I don't want to be yoked to sin. Like, he makes a way out of every temptation. Temptation isn't sin, but you bite into it, it becomes sin. Because where does sin come from? From the desires that are from within. And that's why you must continually, daily, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. He makes a way out. He is victorious over sin and death. That's how you ought to be living. Not pointing to you that you're victorious over it, but pointing to him. And we're not making excuses for our sin. But we're recognizing what it is and we are disgusted by it. Like no longer, God. Your word says to be holy as you are holy. And God, I want to pursue that more than I pursue this. Like Jesus, go to John chapter 8. Norma bought me a new Bible. Thank you, Norma. So my pages are haven't been worn down yet. So, but John chapter eight, 
verses 1 through 30, Jesus sets the captives free and he is the light of the world. This is one of my favorite, favorite capturing of, of, of an encounter with Jesus in the Bible. There's so many, but this one I, I, I turn back to a lot. And it's the woman that has been caught in adultery. It says here, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law of the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of a crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. This woman was dragged through the crowd. These men actually didn't care really about her or even her being in the act of adultery. What their motive was was to trap Jesus. But in trapping Jesus, they were just going to utilize this woman in her sin. But Jesus, you all, met the woman right where she was at, in the middle of her shame and her guilt, in the middle of the religious people condemning her, offering her no hope or no freedom, but holding the law against her. She should be stoned to death. Working up the crowd of people. And I love the fact that Jesus did not get caught up with the crowd. Nor did he get caught up with the, the religious men. His heart was towards the woman, the sinner, who was brought before him. We don't know what Jesus was writing in the dirt. I've heard many different people speculate on possibly what he could have been writing. We talked about this a while ago when I, when I taught on this, but one thing that sticks to me and over the years, because I heard this one pastor talk about it, that he believes that Jesus was writing out the Ten Commandments. Hmm. And those Pharisees and Sadducees, these men of the religious order, looked down. What could they say? 
when Jesus responded to them, okay, throw your stone. And here again, I don't know if y'all see this or not, but I, I don't know if these past years I've been reading through Scripture and just kind of meditating on the Word of God, I keep seeing these opportunities that the religious men have been given to repent, and yet they don't. They see Jesus, they, they see him teaching, they hear him teaching, they, they, they understand the authority in which he carries. They see him healing people, forgiving people of their sins. They see him moving as the Messiah, the one that was promised to them. And yet they were so hardened that they were missing everything. And here yet again is another account where Jesus himself is first and foremost revealing himself to everyone that was there. And yet, instead of drawing closer to Jesus or hitting their knees and asking for forgiveness, they turn and they walk away. Thinking that they were right with God. And so, who are you in this story, if you will, this account. Are you the woman caught in adultery who Jesus delivered, healed, showed compassion to? Or are you one of the religious men who yet again has been given yet another opportunity to repent and yet they turn away. They weren't even moved by his compassion. They were only focused on themselves, thinking they were right with God. Still doing God's work. Still doing God's work, and yet not knowing God. Or are you just in the crowd? Just a bystander watching. Oh, I pray that we would be like the woman dragged through the crowd with shame and guilt, bound by sin, thrown into the feet of Jesus, and then having our beautiful Savior look upon us. Where are your accusers? Because I don't accuse you. Rise up and go and sin no more. I shared with y'all on Friday night um, the, these three phrases, if you would, that kind of been just really like just in my heart. I've just kind of been praying through and praying over people with it. But I just really just felt like God was saying, you know, like, like when we know like in Christ we are fully loved, fully accepted, you know, and fully known. Like we don't have to put on a front. Like when we come to Christ, there's a wholeness. There's a healing that takes place. We recognize that we, apart from Christ, are evil sinners. We're in rebellion towards his kingdom. 
We are unrighteous. We are filthy. And we're seeking to be loved, to be accepted, to be known. And so we've tried to find everything that this world will give us. And that all along, everything we are looking for is found in Jesus. Did you wake up today? Have you been living your life in Christ fully loved, fully accepted, and fully known? Because when you can wake up that way, your day's a lot brighter, no matter what you're facing. No matter what you're going through, you can walk with your head up. Do you know how that woman got up? Fully loved, fully accepted, and fully known. And she walked through the crowd, restored, healed. The shame was gone. The condemnation was gone. The fear of man was gone. All because of Jesus, you all. All because of Jesus. I want to encourage you this week to sincerely ask yourself, are you fully loved? Are you fully accepted? Are you fully known by Christ? And you'll know if you are. Just watch the way you live. Watch your thoughts. Watch what you put your hand towards. Watch the words that are coming out of your mouth. Your attitudes of your heart. The lies and the manipulation and the weirdness that you live. <laughs> the sin that so easily entangles you. <laughs> because when you're fully loved, when you're fully accepted and fully known by Christ, <laughs> you live different live differently. Your past doesn't define you. If that woman's past defined her, she wouldn't have gotten up. It's all she saw herself was this whore, this adulterous woman, this perverted woman, this broken, shattered, because we don't know what she's gone through, but we know what she must have gone through to get her to where she was. But in an instant, she got up. And did you love the two? <laughs> but she didn't go back and forth with Jesus. Where's your accusers? They're not around. And I'm not accusing. It is such a beautiful, beautiful picture. And I'm so glad that it's captured for us. That we can meditate upon it. 
and that we can see the freedom that is found in Christ. Your heart is to be searching for Him. Your wholeness is only found in Him. You are to be living this so that you can proclaim it. You don't want to be those religious men who may have all the right answers for everyone else, but the answers they give, they don't even receive. They have a good form on the outside, but inside, they're dead. And they will stand before him and he will say, depart from me. I don't know you, but I had all the right answers. But I don't know you. Oh, we must not live lives that are not real. <laughs> you can't have a false sense of freedom. Either you're free or you're not. Again, you will sin because we're not striving for perfection, but sin is not to be your master. And when you do sin, you, you get up, you're like, oh, I, I, I'm disgusted by it. Like, God, forgive me. Because remember in 1 John, he writes, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, like, see, Jesus is alive, you all. It, it baffles my mind when I hear Christians dismiss what he did in order to keep moving in the filth that they're in. It doesn't make sense. Like, he's alive. He's not still in the tomb. Like, resurrection power. Sin is defeated. So if it's mastering you, it's because you have chosen to be a slave to it. But all along, Jesus is over here saying, but I freed you. You are now a slave to righteousness. And basically your response is, no, no. I'm just a slave to sin. What then shall you say, Romans says, Romans 6, shall you continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you died with him, you've been raised up with him into a new life? Like, come on, you all, either this is real or it isn't. I choose to believe because I know what he's done, not just in my life, but in others. Like, he is on the move, you all. It's amazing what we're seeing and what we're witnessing. Like, Scripture is right, living out right before us. Everything that Jesus says, it's, 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 it's escalating. Deception is running amok. The spirit of Antichrist is gaining momentum in our generation. And Christianity is under a severe attack. 
And it's only going to get worse. You've got to get to a place. Either you are for him or you're against him. There's no more in between. You can't claim him and then dismiss him. No, because he's God, you all. He's God. Look, it goes on here in verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees, here we go again, replied, You are making these claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. And then Jesus told them, These claims are valid even though I made them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own, your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father, they asked. And Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. And Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in this section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Later, Jesus said to them again, I'm going away. You will search for me, but you will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am. I'm going. Wow. I don't know about you, but when I read that, oh wow. You will die in your sin. God. This is Jesus, you all. This is Jesus. Like, he came into the world. <laughs> came not to condemn the world, <laughs> but to save the world. Because remember, the world is already judged. This earth, and those in rebellion towards God, they already stand judged. That's why he's a just, righteous, holy God. He is withholding his wrath. He is slow to anger. Oh, but there's a day coming when his wrath is going to swallow up this place. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. His ways 
are good. His ways are light and they lead to life. Oh, that we would experience the abundant life found in Christ, you all. Are you experiencing it? Because you ought to be. These men are still fighting with Jesus. And Jesus is laying out truth time and time and time and time again. I am going away. You will search for me, but you will die in your sin. You cannot come where I'm going. You know why Jesus could make that declaration over these men? Because he already knew their hearts. He already knew that they would never turn from their sin. He already knew. And we see that all through Scripture. He already knows the hearts of those who are not for him. The people ask, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I'm going. Jesus continued, you are from below. Wow. And I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I am, or who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe in who I say I am, you will die apart from me. Wow. Do you see how urgent it is to live this life and to proclaim truth? To proclaim the gospel? To share the good news, you all. Because people are dying. Like that quote I read earlier from that man. <laughs> he, he said, because a lot, there's a lot of people that didn't wake up today <laughs> that are dying right now. And you have a chance to come out of darkness right now and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. There's people right now battling, taking their last breath. And they're going to die in their sin. Separated for eternity. God, we need to wake up, you all, to the urgency of the hour that we live our lives displaying Christ to others. Living it and proclaiming it. Living it and proclaiming it. Jesus, you all. And then they say, Who are you? They demanded. And Jesus replied, The one I have always claimed to be. He hasn't hidden it from them. And he doesn't hide it from us. I have much to say about, about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I only say what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. 
But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. So maybe the masses are not believing, but there's such hope at the end of the scripture. Because there will be those who hear and believe. They will accept Jesus. And remember, accepting Jesus is not about this little weird thing that we've made it. Like, oh, just say a little prayer and poof, you're a Christian. No, accepting Jesus, believing in Jesus is life transforming. It's life transforming. It is not following religion and the laws of man. It's not about adding more and, and us working to be right with God. I've got to follow this. I've got to do it this way. I've got to do it that way. I can't touch this. I can't eat that. I've got to do it over here. I've got to do it like this. That's religion. Like when you believe in Jesus, you recognize that you are a sinner. That you were in rebellion towards him. And yet, though you were in complete rebellion before him and towards him, when you are thrown at his feet, he looks at you with compassion. And he says, where are your I don't accuse you. I love you. And you go, oh God, I believe you do. I believe you do. You get up and go sit no more. And you get up from that place and you have a desire for the things of God. This life now is to be lived, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yes, the flesh is going to continue to wage war against this new nature. But remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Remember, sin is not to be your master. Like you don't keep doing what you used to do. You don't keep going back. You just don't keep going back and saying, Jesus... <laughs> but if you go back you ought to be disgusted like oh God I'm sorry Lord this is an area in my life that I need to be healed from teach me Holy Spirit I need to be discipled I need to be accounted held accountable I need to be able to share what's going on with you and with my family and be held accountable that I can walk it out I'm doing life. That I experience the fullness of who you are and what you've called me to. Because I remember the day I believed. <laughs> like you set me free. 
Like, I just want to serve you. Like, God, take me to the ends of the earth. I don't care what man can do to this body. God, I will proclaim the truth. Like, I'm telling you. Go watch what I post. This man's life. And who and what he's doing is it's, it's just God. Look at others that you know. You should see just the same level of life in them. And you should see it in yourself. Like, God, I want to share. I want to testify. I want to tell others about you. I want to encourage others to know you. I don't need to go out and beat them down. I don't need to drag them to, to you and throw them at your feet. No, I want to be like those friends that we're going to read about next week that, that, that brings their friend to you and, and pushes their way through the crowd up on the roof and lowers him. Just so that he can be touched by you because they believed. Like we need to be bringing people to Jesus, you all. I can't stress it enough. Like we need to be sharing the truth. And please stop watering it down. Please stop making him someone that he's not. Hold up the truth. Tell them about Jesus. And if they don't want Jesus, it's okay. Let them go their way and you go yours. You're not better than them. But you pray for them. But you're not to get entangled with sin. The Bible says to Christians to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. Get up and keep going. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. I really want to encourage you as you're going through this week to go back to these scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Watch how you live. But you need to be meditating upon these scriptures. You, you need to be here on Wednesday nights going back through these scriptures, having time of an accountability and, 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 and deeper study to what we're talking about. How can it be applied to our lives? Because listen to this scripture. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Did you hear that? Keep a close watch on how you live. And on your teaching, stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. And I told a few of you, like, I've been wanting to respond to, to this Lauren Daigle, however you say her name, um, catastrophe. Everyone is saying things about it. But this is the scripture that I just want to share with her. And share with the so-called interviewer who calls himself a Christian. And any other Christian, and I use that term lightly, that is watering down the gospel. With the way they're living their lives and with their teaching. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right. 
for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Remember Jesus told these religious men of their day, you travel far to win converts. You're telling them about God. But you're making them twice as much the son of hell as you are. As you are. Listen, when we, and, I, and I've said this before, no matter what your platform, if you have a platform that reaches millions, thousands, hundreds, ten, or only one, <laughs> watch how you live. Watch how you teach. For the sake of your own salvation and for theirs. Like Jesus says, don't you go tripping up. The young ones. The young in the faith. Because you point them away from me. And it's better that you tie a millstone around your neck and drown yourself. Do we forget who Jesus is? Did we forget going through our days when you get up today? Did you forget who he was? Like you can't go tripping up people, telling people, oh, I'm a Christian, oh yeah, Jesus, liking things on social media, and then live a life contrary to who he is and who you say you are in him. You're making a mockery of him. And then others see it. And they're not drawn to Jesus because they say, well, you're close to him and look at you, just, you just do whatever you want. Act however you want, live however you want. You don't even know him. Millions of people are hearing what this Christian singer has said. <laughs> and they're lost. See, God doesn't care. God's okay with me. And where do you find that in Scripture? Even if she only knows a little bit of Scripture. Where do you find that? We must uphold truth, you all. Because people's lives their eternity is at stake. And if you don't want to answer something, then don't open your mouth. <laughs> She's done more damage than good. And I pray for her. And I enjoy her, her, her worship music. But I'm concerned. I'm concerned for her. And I'm concerned for those who have been affected. In this day and age where the gospel's being perverted and watered down and stripped down. Where this day and age when people are being bombarded with their sexual desires in nature. 
people are so confused about who they are. You've got to be able to uphold truth, you all. You've got to be able to uphold truth. And that's with every sin. The gossiper, the backbiter, the liar, the thief. There's, there's no greater sin. Now, sexual sin affects you more so than the others the Bible talks about. But they all lead to hell. So the same message that I would have for those who are enslaved to homosexuality is the same message that I would have for someone who is a gossiper. Like, turn to Jesus. Repent. Stop living in rebellion towards Him. Believe upon Him. And be saved. But I want you to remember this scripture. Keep a close watch on how you live. And on your teaching, stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 19 through 22. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from evil. Again, today I'm just encouraging us to live the life and proclaim the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 22. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. So don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Listen. Have discernment. Have wisdom. Grow in that. Again, just because someone says they're Christian, just because someone says they're a Christian teacher or Christian singer or I'm a Christian this or I'm a follower of Christ doesn't mean that they actually know him. Listen. Discern what is being said. And hold on to that which is good, which is right, which lines up with truth. Hold on to that. But stay away from every other form of evil. Remember the spirit of Antichrist? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like like fire going through the earth. <laughs> it's always been, but now it's really engaging. <laughs> with the level of deception, with the level of, of perversion, with the level of strife, with the level of the occult, with all this stuff increasing rapidly. I mean, listen, you all, we've got to wake up. <laughs> We can't shrink back and we, and, and we can't be in fear. So when you hear me saying that's not what I'm promoting, I'm trying to wake us up to recognize, look at what is happening. And God is 
sparing us in this nation. But this nation is not waking up. It is not waking up. And we better be prepared as the church, as Christians. Look at what's happening. It's on the rise. I mean, from things I used to be involved with, and way back when, 20 some odd years, <laughs> I would have never believed where we're at today. And I just read an article the other day about this man who is now promoting, though it's been, it's been dropped little by little, little by little, over the past, I would say, maybe six months to a year. But now there's, the movement is gaining ground on pedophilia. We're about to live in an age where people are saying it's right to have relationships with kids. And you go, oh, yeah, no. Well, no, no. Look at what's happening. I mean, did you ever think that you would live in the age where you see perversion running amok, where you would see transgender issues being the, the, the top push? And again, we don't hate the transgenders. We don't hate the homosexuals. We don't even hate the pedophilias. They need Jesus. We pray for them. We want them delivered and set free. They're not our enemies. But that way of life destroys the fabric of families, of society. And that's not that way of life. Sin itself. But I'm just telling you, the level is increasing. Look at the anger. I mean, when I see people so angry over a president and that they're ripping their clothes and they're, and they're marching and they're chanting and they're throwing their fist up to the sky and they're so angry. What on earth? What are we living in? And they walk around with their vagina hats on them and they're promoting women's rights and yet they don't care about women. What is going on here in the day and age in which we're living? When we see the most craziest thing, have you turned on the TV? Do you see what's happening in France? It's burning. Those people are rioting. But the crazy thing is, is they got what they wanted. They voted in what they wanted. And now that it's turned against them, now all of a sudden they're rioting. Turn on the TV. Look at what's going on around the world. And they're so consumed about, you know, the planet <laughs> and the global warming and all this stuff that's happening all around. These are signs, you all. Wow. Jesus. 
have mercy. But when we see all of this as Christians, again, it's not for us to get to pull back or, or to be downtrodden or to be heavy burdened. No, that's just a sense of urgency to wake up. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Promote right living. Trust in God. Believe upon Jesus. And say, God, use me in this generation until I take my last breath. Use me, Lord. To proclaim the truth. No matter what platform you give me, I just want to bear your image and proclaim your truth. I told you all, Christianity is under attack, even in our own country. Like Again, when I hear a professor over the past week pushing the fact that Mary was raped by the Holy Spirit, oh God! Jesus! Jesus. This is out of hand. This is getting crazy. When I see people talk about Jesus and they don't even know Jesus. Or even when I see people who say they know Jesus and they talk about him but their lives don't line up with who he is. I'm like, oh God, help us. Go to first um, first Corinthians, no, first Thessalonians. Flip back a page, chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. Chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. Make it your goal. should highlight this verse. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. You will not need to depend on others. Make it your goal to work hard, to mind your own business. Don't get caught up with everything and everybody else and everything that's going on with people. Mind your own business. Stop talking about others. Live a quiet life, a decent life. Work hard with your hands. Be a good worker. And then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. Your character will be intact. Again, how are you going to promote Christ and talk about Christ when when you don't have any character? People see you wishy-washy. People see you in and out. Up and down, left and right. Find one woman angry at the next. Emotion all over the place. (laughs) This is what I'm trying to encourage us. Live it so that you're able to proclaim it. Unbelievers will have more respect for believers who have a solid character. Doesn't mean they won't persecute you. (laughs) Because there's even reports when people are being persecuted by the prison guards 
They will always testify of these people's characters, yet though they beat the hell out of them and abuse them. Treat them like they're nothing. But yet, I mean, it's even what they said, the guard said about Jesus. Remember the ground shook? <laughs> Truly this is the Son of God. Your character is what you should be known by. Get up and preach and share and counsel and do all this stuff, but if you don't have a solid character, something's wrong. And you ought to have one. So make this your goal. Make this your goal. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. I've been reflecting a lot upon the scripture this week. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. It's important because you have been if you believe if you've confessed and you believe you have been filled with the Holy Spirit you're not to be living a life that grieves the Holy Spirit no you're to be walking in step with him so that you're not gratified in the desires of your flesh the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk look what it says there it is living by God's power. Whose power? God's power. I'm living this newness of life all because of Jesus. Not because of works. All because of Jesus. Like I'm in Christ. I'm, I'm fully loved. Fully accepted. And fully known. And I can live and I can walk differently. I behave differently. Because I don't want to live a life that rejects him. I can't say I love him and am known by him and loved by him if I'm living a life that's rejecting him. It's schizophrenic. It's crazy. Look what it says. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Living by God's power. Like Jesus, you all. There's no one else like him. Such great love displayed. And yet he's hated. I mean, it's crazy. Like you talk about the real, the real Jesus with people. And they, if they're not in Christ, if they're not of Christ, they, they will reject him. They will hate the very message. And it's, but it's the only message of love. There's no other message. And yet people will continue to reject. I know God. 
And we've talked about this before. If you look at all of the other religions out there, they're all twisted portions of Scripture. If you look at all of them, even the occult, every other form of worship is just a, it's just a twisted form of Scripture. Because that's all the enemy knows. Look at what he did to Eve. He twisted what God said. And she gave thought to it. And I go, wow. See, you have to recognize you all. This is a spiritual war that's going on. And God in his love and in his mercy has revealed himself to us that our eyes may be opened. And we see afresh and anew. And we go, oh God. But you can't live a life with your eyes open, afresh and anew, and still be yoked <laughs> with the very one who is against God's kingdom. It doesn't work that way. That's a crazy life. That's a crazy life. That's a tormenting life. <laughs> he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And this is the good news, y'all, that we have. Go to 1 Corinthians. Oh, we already did that. Go to Acts chapter 1. We're almost finished. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. That's very, very important scripture. What happens first? You receive power. From who? The Holy Spirit. And then go tell. All about him, you all. Like we again, at that moment of belief, at that moment that you accept Jesus, at that moment that you say, oh God, your life is changed. And if it isn't, there's something's wrong. And when I say changed, I don't mean that everything's perfect in your life. But a change has taken place on the inside because you've received Christ. You received the Holy Spirit. The throne of your heart has been given new ownership. And as you get up from that place, as that woman got up and he says, go sin no more. It's the same commission to you. Now go live a life that's honoring me. And in and of yourself, you can't. So I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. He is your guide. He is your comforter. He is your teacher. Do not grieve him. Follow him. Rob, don't touch that. 
Rob, stop thinking that way. Rob, stop talking that way. Stop giving yourself the right to this. Oh, but how am I to live now? Learn of me. Oh, I'm to live peacefully. I'm to not get easily angered. I'm not to give myself to perversion. I'm to work hard with my hands. I'm to think upon things that are right, that are true, that are pure, that are lovely. I'm to be at peace. I'm to turn from evil and to do good. But you see, it just becomes who you are now. You just begin to walk it out. You don't beat yourself up. Oh, this life I can't live. Oh, this is a hard Christian life. That's the devil. <laughs> Remember the point of which you believed. <laughs> I'm a sinner. <laughs> you are God. <laughs> you love me. and You gave Jesus for me. I believe. Let this Christmas season be the season that you believe. And you turn from your sin. You start making the choices. Because God has moved among us. And he has spoke specifically to each of you. And we cannot remain in rebellion towards him any longer. I mean, you could. <laughs> but you're going to die in your sin. Oh, but no, I think I'm right with God. No! If you are continually to remain disobedient, and it doesn't bother you, something is wrong. Oh, but it bothers you. But it ought to be changing you. Because you're not to be grieving the Holy Spirit. You're to be walking in step with Him. Not giving in to the flesh. There is a way in which you ought to be living. You will receive power in order to bear witness. Now go tell people in your neighborhoods, in your city, in your state, in your nations, and throughout the earth, make my name known. Tell others. Work while there is still daylight. Seek me while I can still be Found. <laughs> this is the hope of a Christian. This is the life of a Christian. You ought to feel uncomfortable around the things you used to be enslaved to. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't even want to laugh at it anymore. Oh, God, no, I don't even want to look. Oh, I don't want to hear. Oh, because I know how destructive it is. Come on, we gotta wake up. But that's how you live now. Again, everything is, is new, so you just gotta let it come out. Like I said it to you on Friday night. Like you have everything you need to live this life. What you're lacking is your choice, not because he's holding back. Get everything that he has for you all. Walk in the abundant life. Trust Him. Like, God, I have you in me. Oh, Lord. I believe. I believe, and I'm going to bear witness to my belief in you. People are not going to understand it. 
Some will, some won't. But if you get up from this place today and you start acting upon whom you believe in, your life will change for the good. Go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, verse 3 through 5. Your new life is one of the spirit, not of the flesh, you all. Do you see how the enemy is working overtime to keep the Christian life this, this weird experience? <laughs> or this experience that doesn't honor Jesus? Like, it's the most craziest thing. How are you living a life saying that you're in relationship with the eternal God? And then not bear his image. The enemy don't mind you coming to church. The enemy don't mind it. He minds it if you start living it, if you start believing it. <coughs> Remember that demon when we open up the book of Mark and got demon ones amongst them in the temple? That man was possessed. And he probably sat there in that temple all that time. The devil don't care. But once Jesus showed up, ah, Jesus! They knew who he was. They were even claiming him. And he told them to be quiet. <laughs> Listen, you all. I care about you all. But we gotta get up from where we've been. Our lives have got to start impacting. You have an opportunity. Don't shrink back. You have an opportunity. You have to get up and you have to live. It says here, chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And hear that common theme of today's message. Believe. How can you live and proclaim? All by believing. That belief has got to be real to you. Listen, my belief in Jesus, no one can take it from me. Man can't, hell can't. The flesh can't. Like, I believe. My belief is real. Even in moments of uncertainty. You say, well, in moments of uncertainty, how did you believe? Because I'm still here. Because as soon as I took my step to walk out, belief slapped me right in my face. It said, where are you going? You believe. 
Remember, I've always told you, you go back to your old ways after you say you believe. Do you know what you have to look over? The cross. You have to say, even though these may not be the actual words in your mouth, but this is the attitude of the heart to say it wasn't enough. So I'm going back. I'm going to go back to my old ways of lying, of, 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 of living this weird, warped life. <laughs> because you don't believe. You have to say, I don't believe. He said, but I don't say that. But that's the attitude of the heart. You are saying you do not believe. So you go back to your vomit, to the pig pen, to your weird life, to your bad attitudes, to your manipulation, your game playing. church he's talking to you all he says what are you doing getting tied back up in the law again what are you doing trying to do it all in your effort oh oh what why are we pushing circumcision why are we pushing you can't eat this why are we pushing you have to go on this day why are we pushing this type of dress why are we pushing this why are we pushing that why are we adding to what jesus did as if we're doing something. I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Jesus. So stop trying to obtain what he has for you by your own human efforts. Just depend upon him. What you received in the spirit, you cannot work it out in your flesh. They don't go together. Remember, they're at war inside you. But remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I mean, listen. How foolish can you be? You started off right. You got up. You believed. Keep going. Keep walking out. Keep living it. What are you doing back here? No, get up. Get up. Keep believing. Keep moving. Keep moving. striving for holiness and for righteousness. Keep honoring him. Second Peter. This one, then we have one more and then I'm closing this out. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. And this scripture here I'm about to read should be a scripture that, oh my goodness, you should have in front of you every day. It should be preached every Sunday. Growing in faith. Growing in your faith. 
Do you ask yourself daily? Like, do you do the test? Like, how am I doing? Huh. You ought to. Ought not be a day that passes that you're not asking yourself and you're just being real before you and God and before others that hold you accountable. Like, how am I doing growing in my faith? Verses 3 through 11. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature, and look at this, escape the world's corruption caused by what? Human desires. Do you see the hope that is just within these first few scriptures? You all have an understanding of what that means. <clears throat> it is because of his nature. It is because you have been born again of a new nature. You're not to be of your old ways. You are now sharing his divine nature. And because of this, you're ex escaping the world's corruption caused by human desires. Because again, where does sin come from? From the desires that are from within. But you have now been born again. So now you are of a new nature warring against those old desires. It's not who I am anymore. And goes on, in view of this, in view of all of this, make every effort. Did you hear that? Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement or add to. Hear this. Please don't miss this. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence. And to moral excellence, add knowledge. And to knowledge, add self-control. And self-control, add patient endurance. And with patient endurance, add godliness. And to godliness, with brotherly affection. And with brotherly affection, with love for everyone. Look at what you are putting effort to, to this new way of living. Have you ever seen this before? Because this is vital. I remember an old man who used to um, disciple me back at Faith Assembly, up in that upper room. That's what he held to me. I never forget sitting down with him and him opening up this scripture to me. You're hungry to grow? You want to grow in your faith? This is what I want to see added to your life. Make every effort, Rob, when you get up each day. Look at what it says there. Moral excellence. Wow. 
Like, this can't just be something you hear me like, okay, whatever. And then go follow the Kardashians. I mean, come on. They are not moral excellence. <laughs> we either we're serious or we're not. Either you believe or you don't. But those who believe, this is what they do. And to that knowledge, and to knowledge, look at this, self-control. And to self-control, patient endurance. And to that godliness, and to that brotherly affection, and to that love for everyone. And you say, oh, I'm, not, I, I, I'm having trouble with this. It's okay, be real. <laughs> but get up. And now that you know, ask God. God, in and of my own self, I will not live a moral life. But I am your divine nature. I am of your divine nature now, so teach me. Do you see the difference? Of me hearing this and going, oh, I, gotta do, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. And, and now I'm trying to do it in this weird way and warped way. No, I have to depend upon him. Like in of myself, I know where sin comes from. It comes from the desires that are from within me. And if I keep me in control, I'm not going to live a moral life. But if I let him to have the throne of my heart, I'm under new management. Huh. My life is going to start looking different. I need help, God. Like, Holy Spirit, be quick to bring conviction. Like, God, I don't have self-control, so, so Lord, teach me. I want to add it to my life. I want to know what it is to persevere. I want to know what it is, and I love the picture here, patient in, to, do, to endure patiently. Because I'm quick with my anger and tongue and lash out and do whatever I want. And everyone else is going to know me. Who cares about you? We've all known you. But in Christ, I kind of want to endure patiently. Like, do you see this? And then, not, it doesn't stop here. It gets better. Look at this. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fall, I'm sorry, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed from, their old sins. Look at that. So if you grow, if you keep moving in this direction, you're going to become even more knowledgeable of your Lord. But if you don't, you'll fail to develop. And you'll be short-sighted, blind, forgetting that you have been cleansed from your old sins. And if you forget that you have been cleansed, then what is left for you? Sin. That's why I tell people, don't be shocked because you see Christians fail or fall. Don't be shocked because where else are we going to go to? When we forget, when we stop developing, what else are we going to? What we know. So we don't get shocked. We don't beat people down. But we encourage them. Get up from there. 
That is not where you belong. Remember, you once believed. Believe again. Get up. Run the race. Don't be waller in shame and guilt and play this weird game. Get up. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never, look at this, look at this promise, highlight it. I remember that old man, I wish I could remember his name, he died. But I remember him grabbing my hand and just having his, my, his fist, my hand in his fist and doing this with me. And, and you'll never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What? Live this way. Grow this way. You'll never fall away. And then what's waiting for you? There's a grand entrance, you all. To the very kingdom that belongs to the one in whom we believe. That changed my life. In the season of my life where I was so confused of what God was doing, this man took the time and said, this is how you grow. Now go. I can't wait to see him in heaven. I remember coming up for my Sunday school class. It was just me and this other guy with this old man. You know, the guy and I were standing there for a long period of time. Like, oh. And we knew something must be wrong because that man was always there. We were there early praying. He didn't have a full class. He just had two of us. He said, that's how I liked it. Because you know, I wonder why I have the smallest room. I just need a couple. He says. And then Pastor Paul came up. He was like, Oh, you know, I don't remember the guy's name now. But we were like, oh, well, you know, and he just said, oh, we forgot to let you know. Like, he passed away this week. <gasps> but though that was sad news, I remember that day that guy and I had a big smile on our face. Because I remember the grand entrance that was promised to him and to us. Oh, don't cry for him. I say, wow. But I remembered. Probably one of the one around one of the last teachings he did. And I said, Lord. So I was thinking about that today, and I wanted to share that with us, you all. Because this is how you live. This is what you're adding to. You know? He's giving you everything, but you have to... There's, there's works. You're not working for your salvation. In Christ, you're saved. <laughs> but works come from your belief. Your works display your belief in such great salvation that has been given to you through your Lord Jesus. So you work. You add to this. 
what has been given to you. Not in and of your own strength, but by the Holy Spirit. We close with Matthew chapter 28. Oh, we thank you, Lord. I don't even know what time it is. Again, my encouragement for us today that you would live <clears throat> that you would live the life and that you would proclaim the gospel this book that we're going through is a timely message I believe for the church and I want to encourage everyone to read it even if you're not even here on Friday nights read the book because I think that it's going to awaken all of us up to be like oh I believe God is confirming our identity in Christ first and foremost through it. It's confirming scripture to us and it's confirming on how God is moving in these latter days. And it's an awakening to the body of Christ that we've got to get up from where we've been and get to where God is at. Jesus, chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and, came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, you all. That was for them, and that is for us. You ought to be out there living what you believe, and then in that, sharing with others on the one in whom you believe. And if they believe, then disciple them. Begin to hold them accountable. Begin to, 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 to take uh, the initiative to, to come alongside them. To see them at a place of accepting Christ. To see them at a place of being baptized. To see them at a place of learning to obey all of his commands. So that Christ would be honored in our day. And I'll close with this. I don't know if you read the post that I posted um, yesterday, I believe, from the church in India, the pastors being beaten. <laughs> but they don't shrink away. And you would think, okay, for goodness sakes, just get up and move. <laughs> but why should they? This world is not their home. They have an understanding of who they belong to and whom they are serving. And where could they move to? <laughs> There's not a safe place for Christians in India. But they can't just gather and huddle and not be expressive in their faith because that goes against the very thing that Jesus calls them to. 
They have to live it. And they have to proclaim it. And like I said earlier, your character is vital. I mean, some of these people, the, I told you, some of these guards who are beating these people, who are killing these Christians, who are, you know, just ravaging their lives, would tell you, well, they're a good character. Well, what is your charge against them? What charge is against them? They share Jesus. Wow. And so it is here. Don't expect people to embrace you. But do not let that silence you. From sharing. Jesus, you all. This is the season. It's Christmas. And we decorate. And we put lights. And you know we give gifts. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you keep it for the meaning of the season. Why do we give gifts? Because the greatest gift has been given to us. That's why we express it. It shouldn't be any other way. No matter how the culture wants to try to parade it. It shouldn't be any other way. Especially for Christians. We don't get tied up with the culture. But we celebrate this season because this season belongs to us. The season, I, I, there's no other religion on the face of this earth that their faith gets run through the muck. There's no other religion. Try with the Muslim faith to see what happens. <laughs> Try it in the Hindu faith and see what happens. It's the Hindus that are beating the pastor. Try it in any other faith. It will not happen. But it's quite interesting. In the Christian faith is the only faith throughout the earth that is mocked. That things that, that the Christian faith builds itself around are then taken out and perverted. The culture snatches things. Remember, the enemy always twists things. Remember I said, all the other false religions out there, if you really study them and you look at them, they all have portions of scripture that are just twisted. So this season belongs to us. <laughs> and so we give. And so we decorate. And so we show the expression, the greatest gift ever given to mankind. A Savior was born. Emmanuel, God with us. The hope for the world. Tis the season to tell others of whom you believe. Amen? I'll close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer.
God of creation There at the start Before the beginning of time With no point of reference You spoke to the dark And fleshed out the wonder I'd lie And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars amaze and worship so light, I can see.
Yeah.